0: Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central.
1: Good afternoon, everyone. It is Wednesday, August the 24th, 2022. It is currently 3.43 p.m. Central Time, and I'm coming to you live from the Theology Central studios located right here in Abilene, Texas. Christianity. I want you to just think about Christianity. We could talk about Christianity as far as like historical Christianity. We could talk about Christianity maybe in terms of modern day Christianity. We could talk in terms, when we talk about Christianity, biblical Christianity. But when you think of Christianity, when you think of Christianity, what do you perceive to be the greatest threat to Christianity? Like, if you were to gather a bunch of Christians together, maybe you can do this in your Sunday school class, or you can just walk around your church and asking people, hey, what do you think is the greatest threat to Christianity right now in 2022 and moving forward? What do you believe the greatest threat is? Some will say, well, the greatest threat is the loss of religious freedom and religious liberty. They're going to shut us down. They're going to take our Bibles. That's, that's the greatest threat. Some will say, and... I have a hard time with this one. Some say the greatest threat to Christianity is critical race theory. Look at the number of sermons and the number of books preached about, or a number of books written and a number of sermons preached about critical race theory. Many people think that's the greatest threat to the church. But typically, what you will find is most Christians will point to things outside of the church that is a threat to the church that will say, hey, it's right there. It's right there. It's right there. But really, I think the greatest threat to Christianity is not what's outside of the church. It's what's sitting in the pew of every church, because sitting in the pew of every church are human beings with a sinful nature, And we tend to take our sinful nature and we, listen, we act upon it. And when it comes to Christianity, where we have the word of God, here's the Bible, it's supposed to be the authority. It's supposed to be the standard. We have a tendency to take what we want, to take our ideas, to take our thoughts and take our feelings and reach up and grab that Bible and start twisting it like it's Plato. And we mold it into the shape we want. We still call it Christianity, but really it's nothing more than the Christianity created in our image. You see, you have maybe historical Christianity, modern day Christianity, biblical Christianity, but in reality, you know what? You have a lot in modern day, well, in 2022, we'll call it the Christianity of individualism. Well, Christians allow their sinful nature to say, this is what I think, this is what I feel, this is what I believe, and I'm gonna make the Bible agree with it. I do believe that's a threat. Now you may not agree, but I do. And I think what has happened is that kind of, that, that, that's the deeper, that's the deeper level of what I'm getting ready to speak of. That's the deeper level. We have a tendency because of our own sinful nature. We have our own thoughts, our own ideas, our own feelings, our own desires, we are, our, our own wants. We mold Christianity. We recreate it into our image where it seems to agree with us in our thoughts and our ideas and our wants. This is a constant threat to the church, a constant threat to Christianity. And many Christians have very strong desires, very strong opinions when it comes to political issues, when it comes to the culture war. And so they're sitting in the pew, they have their political ideology, they have their opinions about the culture wars, they have their desires, and they reach up and they make the Bible somehow agree with their political viewpoint. In a sense, they recreate Christianity into the image of their political viewpoint. They recreate Christianity into the image of their culture war stance. This, is, this, this has been happening. I've been warning about it. It seems like my whole life. Look, church, stop allowing your politics to reshape Christianity. You should, your mind, your ideas, your thoughts should be shaped by the word of God, not your favorite political commentator all the way back in the 90s. I would see Christian men who spend more time listening to Rush Limbaugh than they ever did actually studying the Bible. Oh, they went to church. They had morals about what was right and about what was wrong. They were, you know, they they paid their taxes. They went to work, as we would say in Texas. They're one of those good old boys, right? They they were moral, upstanding citizens, but their thinking was shaped by Rush Limbaugh, not the Bible. They weren't studying the Bible. They weren't doing Bible studies. They weren't listening to sermons. They were listening to political talk. And then Fox News came along. And then Christians were like, oh, they started being shaped more by Fox News than they were the Word of God. Now, I know some of you are going to say, but what about the liberals? The same thing happens on the liberals. Let me just get this out of the way. In most cases, Christians who are extremely liberal and go to liberal churches— most of those liberal churches have already abandoned anything resembling historical biblical Christianity. In many cases, they've thrown out the inspiration of scripture, the deity of Christ. So I'm not focused on them. I'm focused on people who go to churches who claim that the Bible is the word of God, but they can't see that they're allowing their politics. They're allowing their cultural war viewpoint to literally reshape Christianity into something that it isn't. It becomes a make America great again. It becomes build the wall. It becomes lock her up. It becomes whatever some person on the right is claiming. It becomes the greatest threat is critical race theory. It's going to destroy the church. And you're like, really? Critical race theory is going to destroy... Okay, can we say class boogeyman? Can we say Ghost, can we say no, All right, but, but that's what happens because all they hear all day is critical race theory is going to destroy you. Critical race theory is going to come for your kids. Critical race theory, critical race theory. If anyone says anything about racism, it's critical race theory. Plug your ears and run. Well, then they bring that into their Christianity. And so then they're like, oh, that's what we have to do. We have to talk about that. We have to preach about that. This is a problem. Christianity is corrupted from within by the people who sit in the pew, who have their own ideas, their own ideologies, their own desires, that they are influenced by other things. And they bring that inside Christianity and they try to redefine it, reshape it, remold it, and recreate it into their image where you look at it and you're like, okay, well, it has some elements of Christianity, but I don't really know what that is. And you walk in and you're like, well, I'm clearly not welcomed here. I'm clearly not welcomed here. Like when a very famous preacher said, You can't be a Christian and vote Democratic. Okay, well, now the test of my salvation is who I vote for. I mean, what in the world just happened? But that has been going on in the church. Now, that's kind of the deeper perspective. Now, let me explain what happened. I believe, let me look at the date. Yesterday, August the 23rd, 2022, I saw a a news headline and I was like, ooh, okay, save that in my notes. We'll get to that. All right. Now, of course, if you've been paying attention to all the other live broadcasts, we're trying to walk step by step through an in-depth study, of the book of Amos, all right, doing, following a Bible study method. And yeah, it's, it's being done in a unique way, but we're doing that. We've been, we've been visiting a youth conference that was held this summer in Indiana that claims to be the most influential youth conference in the world. And we've been reviewing those sermons, and that's been a train wreck. But all of that's taken a lot of time. So, of course, I didn't get to it yesterday. I mean, I probably could have. But, you know, there's only so I I, I'm always struggling with how many live broadcasts do I do? Because I know most people can't listen to everything we produce. So it's always a struggle. But I saw the article. I'm like, save it. If you were to look at my notes on my iPad, (laughs) I'm I'm saving something almost every 15 minutes. Save that. Save that. In my mind, I'm going to cover it all. Okay. reality, I'm never going to get to it all. But I try. So I didn't think about it. Well, then I grabbed my iPad and I'm like, okay, I've got to, I got to make myself something for lunch. So I set the iPad down and just started playing podcast. just started playing podcast. And then I heard the intro for American Family News. Oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. Now American Family News is the news podcast, the news section of American Family. Family Association and American Family Radio. Now, American Family Radio, American Family Association, very large Christian organization. Christian organization, American Family Radio is a large Christian radio network that airs in cities all across the country. We have an affiliate here in Abilene, Texas, and I talk about them frequently, right? I talk about them usually in a negative way because I believe American Family Radio and, American, uh, and all their programs, especially between 10 a.m. and 6 p.m., is a perfect example of the high jacking of the American church by right-wing politics. I I, I will say that all day. Sometimes when I'll turn it on, I'm like, is this a Christian radio station? Because all I hear is politics, 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 and then they throw in Jesus. And the implication is that Jesus, of course, is a right-wing Republican. Of course he is, right? So it's just really, it's just really bizarre. So I, I, I came on, and I always listen to it, and I know what you're thinking. Well, if you don't agree with it, why do you listen to it? If you saw all the podcasts I subscribe to, I subscribe to everything from every stream of theology, from every ideological position, from conservative to liberal to everything in between, because I like to hear different perspectives. You'll never know. <laughs> Look, there's, there's, it's no way to live. By placing yourself in some echo chamber while all you hear is the sound of your own voice over and over and over and over, that, that all that does is create your own pride and ego thinking you're always right. You gotta be challenged by a different perspective. So if I hear a news article and it comes from a very right leaning source, very conservative, I immediately go into Google find a report from the most liberal source that I can and then compare how they covered it and then try to figure out maybe what the truth is. Because to me, truth is what matters. So I saw the article and then American Family News podcast came out. It comes out, I think, four or five times a day. It's only five minutes long, so it's easy to listen to. So I'm like, okay, I just got to finish getting my food ready. We're good to go. And then it happened. As soon as I heard it, I was like, that, that goes back to the article I saved. You want to hear it? Okay. I'm, aff- I'm assuming that people all across the country are shaking their head. Yes. I want to hear this. I want to hear that. I know you do. I know you do. See, but I got to get it. Trying, trying to move you to the edge of your seat. Other Others of you are like, I don't care because you've already insulted conservative politics, and I know that means you're not a Christian. You're of Antichrist. You're probably of the New World Order. Okay, you're Illuminati. Okay, calm down. Okay, I understand. Just just stay with me. All right, here we go. We're going to listen to this. Now, I've got the volume as loud as I can. Um, it doesn't appear to be loud, but when I was listening to it up here, had the window unit, the AC window unit on behind me. Um, so, which is already loud. So, of course, that is turned off now. So, we're going to listen to this together. I'm going to interrupt it relatively quick. But here we go from American Family News podcast. This draw, I think this was their noon episode. They'll be dropping another one probably right now, and then I think one in the evening. I think, and they do one in the morning. I can't again. I can't remember how it. I'm mean, look. I subscribe to so many podcasts. I can't keep up with the schedule of all of them. But I do my best to listen to everything. Right here. We go.
2: An Indiana pro family activist thinks former Vice President Mike Pence does not have the support of the Republican base to mount a successful run for president in 2024. Chad Groning has more.
0: In a recent poll on AFN.net, almost 73% of respondents said they would not support Mike Pence for president in 2024.
1: Stop right there. Was that seventy three percent of those responding to a poll on AFN? That's the American Family Network. The people responding that are clearly professing Christians. So seventy three percent of professing Christians are like, nope, will not vote for Pence. Will not vote for Pence. And I think you know what that means. I think you know what that means. Oh, come on, you know what that means. Let's go ahead and listen to the rest of the report. But you know what that means. You know. Come on, you know.
0: We're just a little over 11% supporting his candidacy and nearly 16% saying they were not sure. As we have reported on AFN during a speech at St. Anselm College in Manchester, New Hampshire, Pence implored fellow Republicans to stop lashing out at the FBI over the search of Donald Trump's Florida home and denounced calls by some of the former president's allies to defend the FBI.
1: Now, remember that you can't do that right now. Like, even if you're a Christian, you can't say, well, President Trump had classified material in his home. They asked him for it two or three times. They didn't believe he gave everything. So then they execute a search warrant and guess what they find? More classified material that he didn't hand over. Okay. But 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 no 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 no. The FBI is bad. The FBI is bad. It's funny. If the Democrats do it, it's like lock them up. Lock them up. Throw them in prison. If Trump does something very similar, it's like, "Well, you know, it's okay." But but that's that's the way it works. And that listen, I don't care if the world is doing that. This, this mindset creeps into the church. Again, these are 73% of the people like, nope, cannot vote for Pence. Cannot vote for Pence. You know where that's going. And then they, they, they offer kind of a reason. Well, Pence kind of told everyone to stop lashing out at the FBI. How dare he? How dare he do that? He's supposed to take up for, dun, 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 our hero. The conquering king, Donald Trump. What the church has needed for 2,000 years has arrived. Okay, maybe it's a little hyperbolic, but it's not much. Let's let's continue.
0: Also during the St. Anselm appearance, Pence said he would give due consideration if asked to testify before the January 6th House Committee. Micah Clark is executive director of the American Family Association of Indiana, who has known Pence for many years. He doesn't believe Pence has strong support from the Republican base right now.
2: Because the party has left him behind in favor of Donald Trump and Ron DeSantis. I just don't think this is Mike's time right now. We'll find that out if he goes to Iowa and other places. But I don't see where he goes for a strong enough base to get the nomination or even come close to it.
0: Clark thinks Pence may be misreading the electorate.
2: I think people are so disgusted with Washington, D.C., with how it's being run. I think the raid on Mar-a-Lago adds to that disgust. And I don't think people want a nice guy who can reach across the aisle. I think people want things turned upside down and agencies and other things reworked and this government shrunken in size. I think they want someone who would go in there and make government smaller, not bigger, and make it more responsive to people who have concerns about it.
1: I'm Chad Groening. Let me translate. What they want, they're mad. We're not going to take it anymore. And we want Donald Trump to come in and break things and call people names on whatever social media platform, like Truth Social right now, wherever. We That's what we want. We want to fight because we got to fight this political nonsense. And that's what Christians are caught up in. They're worried about the political, the cultural. Forget the theological. Forget the biblical. Forget the Great Commission. Forget discipleship. No, we want a political revolution. We need Trump back. Now, take that. (laughs) Let's go to the article that I saved the day before. Headline, is the church ready for Trump 2024? Oh, Now, what are they going to say? Are they going to look at this carefully? I hope they are. But just the headline just makes me just almost like just want to lay down on the floor, curl up in the fetal position, Throw away the computer, sell my microphone, and just give up. And it almost makes me want to not have any association with anything called Christianity, because this is where it seems like we're just, we're just gonna repeat the cycle. The, the church got politically hijacked big time 2015 into 2016. It's only gotten worse and worse and worse, and we're ready to see more of the political hijacking of American Christianity. And the rise of Christian nationalism, and we're going to see it, it, we're going to see it rise its ugly head and be loud and be proud moving into 2024. And in some cases, I wouldn't even feel comfortable in many churches. They would be so politically political. I would be like, I don't, I don't, I don't want any part of this. I don't want, and a lot of young people are tired of the politics. We've we've got so many things talking about, we're losing the young people. How about stop shoving your politics down their throat and offer them the gospel of Jesus Christ, but you think the gospel of Jesus Christ is your political ideology, and you think that that's what you should be an evangelist for. I don't know where this article is going to go. I thought I would save it and read it with you in real time, all right? I like doing that. Are you ready? Here we go. Is the church ready for Trump 2024? Before you read another word, if you are a Trump hater, you should know that the purpose of this article is not to bash the former president. If you are a Trump lover, know that this article is not here to extol him. Instead, the focus is on the followers of Jesus not Donald Trump. Okay, that's a good start. That's, all right. So this is a Christian article and their focus is not on Trump, pro or against, but on the followers of Jesus Christ. What what does this article want y- you and I to know? What does it want the church to know? Well, let's see. Are we ready for another potential bid for the White House by the former president? Can we remain uncompromised in our ethics? And with our Christian witness intact, whether we are for him or against him, that's the question I'm posing here. In other words, can we act like Christians— in the midst of a hotly contested political campaign? Are we going to run around and scream, stop the steal and run into and invade the Capitol? Is that what we're going to do? Are we going to post conspiracy theories all over the internet? Is that what we're going to do? Are we going to absolutely act like that we're so partisan and that we bow at the idol of politic more than we worship the risen savior? Which is it going to be? Do I believe that Trump, in the midst of his many positive accomplishments, okay, let me read this again. Do I believe that Trump, in the midst of his many positive accomplishments, had a profoundly negative effect on much of the Church of America? I certainly do. I want you to hear that. This article believes that Donald Trump had a profoundly negative negative influence on the church. Now, what everyone else will, when you say that, they're like, what are you talking about? Trump was against this and Trump was this and Trump. No, 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 no. Let's not talk politics. Let's talk what, how Christians started losing their minds and stopped and became politically hijacked. That's the question. Did it have a negative impact on the church? The article acknowledges maybe some of his accomplishments, but what we should be more concerned with is not the political or cultural accomplishments. What we should be concerned about is the spiritual state of the church and, dare I say, the spiritual state of your life and the spiritual state of my life, because my life is never where I need it to be or want it to be spiritually, because I'm always struggling and I'm assuming other people as well. The last thing I need to add is basically political idolatry to the mix. Now, this is important. The article goes on to say, but I don't blame President Trump for that. That's on us, not on him. Donald Trump had a negative influence on the church, not because of him. It's because of the us as Christians. As believers, because we decided to abandon a gospel-minded approach to the world, and we decided to, to replace it with a political-minded approach to the world and to culture wars and everything else. They go on to say, After all, he was the man he had always been. A rough and tumble, often contentious, frequently nasty, quite narcissistic, wealthy New York businessman turned politician. And while many of us hoped he would change, he did not. I, I just, when I read that, I have to laugh, laugh because I lived in the nineties when Christians were running around character matters, character matters. We can't have a man like Bill Clinton in office. Character matters. We need men who have character and who love Jesus Christ. And when Trump came along, they are like, character doesn't matter. We don't care. Do whatever you want. Be accused of whatever. It, we don't care. It's like character matters when it's a, a liberal. It doesn't matter when it's a Republican, demonstrating that Christians did not care about Christianity. They cared about political victory. They go on to say, but to repeat, that's the man we voted for. No, 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 no. That's the man you voted for, not we. Don't put me in your category. Do not participate in your political reindeer games. Do not bow at the idol of your politics. He remained in character during his tenure as president, and he has remained in character to this day. The great surprise was that he did so many excellent things and kept his promises to conservative Christian base. That's what stood out as exceptional. And in four short years, despite constant opposition and harassment, he did a tremendous amount of good on both the national and international level. But if we voted for him, hoping that he would change... And he did not. We can't blame him for that. That's the risk we took or the calculation we made when voting. He simply continued to be what he had always been. The fact that many of us exalted him as some kind of political savior is our fault. The fact that we enjoyed watching watching him belittle and mock his political opponents, often in crude and cruel ways, is our fault. Not only did we watch it and enjoy it, Christians started copying it. Talking that way, even on, on American Family, on American Family Radio, they have a, a, a program called Today's Issues. Listen to the little names they call Pelosi and and m- mocking and the things they mock and the things they say. It's absolutely ungodly, and that's on Christian radio. Yeah, when we start mocking and, uh, yeah, okay, just, oh, just the whole thing. All right. The fact that we divided over him so passionately, some to the point of literally loathing him and others to the point of taking uh, talking about him more than they talked about Jesus is our fault. The fact that he changed us more than we changed him with some of our social media pages looking more like political attack sites rather than pages of Jesus lovers is our fault. That this man we voted for, it's entirely all our fault that many of us were negatively impacted by his negative traits. To give an analogy, it's as if we elected a comedian famous for telling dirty jokes, hoping that he that once he was in office, he would stop telling dirty jokes, especially really dirty jokes. Not only did he not stop telling these jokes again, that's who he was, but we started laughing at the dirty jokes. Worse yet, we started repeating them again. Will we do any better with Donald Trump if he decides to run again? In my first Trump-related book, published in 2018, I devoted a chapter to the subject, Evangelicals and Donald Trump, A Match Made in Heaven or A Marriage with Hell. The title of my second Trump-related book, published in 2020, I asked the question, Will We Pass the Trump Test? By the Trump test, I meant, can we vote for Trump and still preserve our Christian witness? And can we remain united around Jesus, even if we disagree about Trump? The answer to these questions is a resounding no. While we could easily justify our vote for Trump as followers of Jesus, as opposed to voting for Clinton or Hillary Clinton or Joe Biden, the way many of us joined ourselves to him deeply hurt our witness. So it was not voting for, so it was not voting for Trump that hurt our witness, but our actions as Trump supporters that did. In many ways, by our carnal behavior, by our obsession with elections, by our over exalting of a man. By your savaging each other over differences, by our following false prophecies, by our embracing of QAnon conspiracy theories, we deeply hurt our witness to a watching world and became better known as the Trump supporters than the Jesus followers. It's very true. For some, in the minds of some people, if you claim to be a Christian, immediately you voted for Trump. You're a Trump supporter. And I, I get so, do not connect me to that man. Do not connect me to him. I have no connection to that. And I get really angry when people even imply that. I almost want to raise my voice like, no, no, because I'm a Christian has nothing to do with Trump. I didn't support him. I'm not connected to him. That's other churches, not mine. But sadly, that's what happened. We became known as Trump supporters than Jesus followers. What's worse, many of our spiritual leaders were at the forefront of these divisions, railing on those who dared oppose Trump or support Trump and focusing more on winning the elections than winning the lost. But it's not as if this hit us blindly. In the first book, I listed seven priorities for the church if we were to get things right when it came to our relationship to politics in general and Trump in particular. And I, was hard, and I was hardly the only one sounding the alarm. No, you, I was, everyone, I think anyone with any insight to culture was sounding the alarm. But I'm, I'm glad. And if you don't know, uh, the article I'm reading is by Michael Brown. I don't agree with all of his theology, but I had definitely appreciated his willingness to take a stand on this issue. Because while everyone's losing their minds, he at least tried to take a stand. I just wish he would fix some of his charismatic theology, but that's a whole different subject right now. And the second book, I listed 10 more priorities for the church, of them weighty and important. And to say it again, I was hardly the only one saying these things. Then in the last chapter of my brand new book, The Political Seduction of the Church, How Millions of American Christians Confused Politics with the Gospel, I recapped these 17 priorities, evaluating how we fared. By the count, we felled on 15 out of 17 items less. F- uh, Listed. 15 out of 17. That is what you call failing badly. Here were things like, this is what the church needs to do. And the church was like, nope, not going to follow that. We want politics. We want Trump. We want to mock people. We want guns. We want to attack. We want to invade. We want to believe conspiracy theories. That's what we want. Now, many will get mad, and guess what? The emails are gonna be like, hey, you're gonna act, they're gonna act like Trump, and they're gonna attack, and they're gonna call names, but go ahead. I mean, I, like, at this point, you just prove the point. When all you can do is argue your political point, you've proven the point. And note the very title of this book The Political Seduction of the Church. Seduction is normally, uh, is normally covert rather than overt. Looking so attractive before it stabs you in the back. That's why it's so seductive. Now, he calls it the seduction. I call it the hijacking. I think it's not seducting. It just, we the politics came in and said, all right, everyone put your hands up. I'm hijacking your church. And and, and some was like, well, wait, I'll help you. I'm on your side. Yeah, let's do it. Down with Jesus, up with Trump. Throw out the Bible. Give us the Constitution. Throw out the hymns. Give us, God bless America. In the case of Trump, there were so many good things he stood for, so many admirable things he championed, so much courage he displayed, so much courage he displayed, so much of our burden uh, that he shared, that that it was all too easy for us to get seduced. And by seduced, I don't mean voting for him, I mean acting the way he did. In the process, we compromised our witness, put our trust in the political system, and divided over the president rather than united around Christ. Will we do better if Trump decides to run again? This much is sure. We don't recognize our past errors. We haven't taken stock of our own lives and our mistakes. And we have not made serious judgments at the root level. So we will not be ready for Trump 2024. Now, he says, if we don't, I'm saying, if we we haven't done this, we haven't recognized our past errors, we haven't taken stock as the church in general, we haven't admitted any mistakes, we haven't made any serious judgments, and so at the root level, we will not be ready for Trump in, in, in 2024. He says, if we don't do that, I'm saying we're not doing it, we won't do it. To repeat, that's on us, not on him. And to be clear, the purpose of this article is not to advocate voting for him or against him. If he decides to run, my purpose is to call the church to be the church in the midst of election fervor or election fever or election craziness. No sooner had I written the last words of this article that I opened a new email sent out to our ministry by a pastor who wrote Or, or I'm, I'm sorry, no sooner had I written the last word of this article than I opened a new email sent to our ministry by a pastor who wrote, and I quote, we would be honored to have you speak regarding your new books as it pertains to what I have been trying to preach to the congregation for the past few years after I watch politics seduce and divide our people and even break up families. This is why we must do better in 2022 and in 2024 and beyond. And that's by Dr. My- Michael Brown. You can, I think you can still find it at the Christian Post. It should be there on the side to the right. That's where kind of the older columns get, uh, older articles get moved. If you can't find it, you can email me, newsif at yahoo.com, newsif at yahoo.com, and I'll be more than happy to send you the link. Church is not ready. Church is so politically hijacked. I'm scared of what it's going to look like. I really am. I mean, I can't even imagine it. I can't even imagine it. Even if he loses, I can't. Even if he loses, it's just going to turn into, again, I'll just give you the example. I I was just listening to a 30-minute podcast about the demise of One America News, OAN, right, who was, you know, on DirecTV and a lot of cable services and, and Trump praised OAN and praised OAN, even though they promoted every conspiracy theory under the world. And then, of course, then they started promoting the, you know, Dominion software and, and, and they started promoting the election lie that a lot of other people played. And then they got sued for, I don't know, a bazillion dollars. And now they've been dropped by different carriers and now they're just becoming a streaming, streaming service. We don't know if they will, will survive. But if you remember, Newsmax got in trouble. Fox News got in trouble. So many people got in trouble because they promoted the uh, the Dominion software lie. They, they promoted it and then they got sued. And when it was time to defend themselves in court, they didn't have anything because they was they didn't have any evidence. And guess what? American Family Radio, if you go back into the archives of our podcast, you will find so many episodes where I'm playing audio from their broadcast, where they're like, Sydney Powell, she's got it figured out. Rudy Julian, they're going to prove it. Trump's going to be put back in office. This is, this lie is going to be exposed. And when it all blew up, <laughs> did American Family Radio apologize? Did they repent? Now, I, I understand making mistakes. But you have to own up and go, I messed up. It was my fault. It was my fault. Just acknowledge you promoted lies and then ask yourself, why was American Family Radio, a Christian radio network being used to promote these things that you could not conform, confirm, you could not trust, and you shouldn't have trusted? Why was, why wasn't your airways being used for Bible teaching, discipleship, Christian encouragement? Theology, doctrine. Why? Why wasn't he? No, because you had been, you've given your soul over to the god of politics. That's what you've done. So many promoted those election lies. So many Christians promoted that garbage on their social media, and they never apologized. They never repented. Conspiracy theories about COVID. Conspiracy. I mean, just. It it was like, it was like, here's what happened. Starting around 2015, it's like the church said, hey, this concept of truth, we don't believe it anymore. We can make up whatever we want. We don't care about the gospel. We don't care about scripture. We care about politics and the culture. And the church embarrassed itself. And many of you probably embarrassed yourself. Now, I've embarrassed myself in other ways. Never had the problem of being politically hijacked. But I've embarrassed myself other ways and I've made my own failure and had to repent and acknowledge my own mistakes. I think it's time that a lot of Christians and churches repent of how they've hurt Christ and hurt the witness of Christ. And almost distorted the gospel by the politically hijacked nonsense that they've pushed and promoted from the pulpit and on their websites. 2024, it'll be here before we know it. The midterms will be here before we know it. It's not going to get better. It's going to get worse. You focus on your spiritual life. And if your church becomes politically hijacked, I don't know what to tell you. I don't think I could go. I would not go to a church that's politically hijacked. I would run as fast as I can. But you say, where do I go? I don't know. I can't, I can't, I can't give you easy answers. I can just say this: I'll do anything and everything I can to help you. I'll help try to find a church. I'll do everything I can to turn on this microphone, do Bible studies, devotionals, sermons, anything I can to at least feed you spiritually. In the meantime, while you try to figure out the chaos, but email me newsif at yahoo.com. Newsif at yahoo.com. Thanks for listening. We'll be back. On the air at 7 p.m. coming to you from Victory Baptist Church, unless there's something I don't know. I know we have some individuals who have COVID, so I don't know. We've got we've got some COVID situations developing, so hopefully I, I, we, everything will go well. And put it this way: if if for some reason that doesn't work out tonight and we can't be there, I'll be right here. But the plan is to be at the church 7 p.m. and we'll be working on Mark 2:26. Hopefully, maybe for the last time. I don't know. We've been working on that now for like 10 hours, so. Um, that, that's the plan. And uh, join us for our, our study in Amos and all, just all of the other series that we're doing. Hopefully, you can find something that'll be spiritually edifying. And just examine your life to see, have you allowed politics to corrupt and negatively impact your Christian life? Thanks for listening. Everyone have a great day. God bless.